Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for uh, the podcast today. For all of you that have been faithful listeners, thank you for uh, listening over uh, the last period of time. Uh, I hope that the podcasts are valuable to you. And if they are, I really would encourage you to let other people know about them, to maybe post the information and to give people an opportunity to hear about the podcast. Today, uh, I want to talk to you uh, about a moment that I had last week. One of the things that I enjoy as a leader is I enjoy learning. But specifically, I enjoy learning outside the context of what I do. So over the years, I've had the opportunity to go to Microsoft and to learn Chick-fil-A and learn, to be able to uh, go to Boeing and learn. And uh, this last week, uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, Diego Mesa in Rancho Cucamonga, California, he pastors an amazing church there. He gave me an opportunity to learn out of my context and uh, I was really, really uh, overjoyed with some of the uh, concepts I was able to uh, see developed in my heart as I was uh, learning. Uh, Diego has a man in his church who has been a part of the Disney company for 35 years. He asked me if I was willing to go to Disney and sort of take a behind-the-scenes peek at some of the things that Disney does. And uh, because of my learning um, desire, it was an immediate yes there. Uh, I was really, really uh, surprised at just the wealth of information I was able to uh, gain. So let me start by saying this. Um, the title of this message is Leading with a Broom. Leading with a Broom. Boy, does that sound awkward. Does that sound like, what in the world does that have to do with uh, leadership. But the individual that was going to host that day uh, has been with Disney, uh, like I said, over three decades. But he began as a sweeper at the Disney parks. He just held a broom. And he would use that broom to just do what people with brooms do. He would sweep. Now, from that, uh, I began to ask him questions and um, saying, how in the world uh, did you sweep and what were lessons that you've learned? Today, this man uh, has a unique position of uh, being high up in the Disney Corporation, having uh, a lot of employees who report directly to him and overseeing some very strategic and important uh, areas for the Disney company. Uh, but as I began to ask him about being a sweeper at Disney when he was just a young kid, uh, the first thing he said to me is that if you're going to be a sweeper, your knowledge has to be bigger than the broom. I paused a little bit when he began to say that. Your knowledge has to be bigger than the broom. What in the world was he talking about? He said that when you're a sweeper at Disney, you're one of the most visible individuals that uh, guests see. They see you uh, with your broom. And so he said, what happens frequently is they come and they ask you, well, how do I get from here 
to this ride? How do I get from here to this show? How do I get from here to this place? And he says, if you're going to be a sweeper at Disney, the first thing you've got to know is that people are going to notice you. And because they notice you, they're going to ask you questions. And the questions aren't going to be about sweeping. They're going to be about the park. They're going to be about how you get from one location to another, how you are able to um, get to one show to another, what is the nearest place, and et cetera, just all these questions. And he says, so if you're going to be a sweeper at Disney, the first thing you understand is that you have to have knowledge that's bigger than your job. I thought, wow, what a great concept. How many people do you know, they work for a company and they know what they do, but they don't know anything else. They know exactly what their job is, but they don't know anything else. So if you do what I do as a pastor, uh, I have people who do youth. I have people who do children's. I have people who do music. But if they're going to be really, really helpful, uh, they need to have knowledge that's beyond that particular job. I need my youth pastor to be able to say, well, this class is down this hallway. It's in this room, and this is what they're uh, covering. I need my music minister to say, hey, if you're interested in this, this is the program that our church offers. So if you're going to be successful, you have to have knowledge that's bigger than your job. Number two, the nature of someone with a broom is that you must be willing to help with other people's trash. Isn't that a, a lesson? See, a lot of us, we just want to deal with our gifts. We want to deal with our dreams and we want to deal with our agendas. But when this man started at this company, he had to be willing to help with other people's trash. He told me an interesting fact. He said that as they've researched people, they have found that people will only carry trash for 30 feet. So if they have a, a cup or they have a bag and they finished with it, uh, they're going to carry it for 30 feet and then they're going to put it down. They're going to drop it. So Disney strategically places all of its trash cans 28 feet apart. They want to give that person who says, I don't want to carry any trash. They want to give them a place to dispose of it. Because they know that the natural instinct is at 30 feet, they're going to start letting go of that trash, whether there's a trash can or not. Think of that. People in life know that other people have trash in their life. And if you're going to climb the ladder of life, then you have to be willing to help other people when there's things in their life, circumstances in their life. You're going to have to help them begin to manage those moments. Maybe it won't be as strategic as 30 feet, so you put a trash can at 28 feet. But I know this. I know people who are great leaders. They help other people deal with their problems. And if you're not willing to help someone else deal with their problems, you're probably not going to be a high-impact, high-influencing leader. Number three, every role is a starring role. As he was talking about uh, sweeping uh, the streets, he says one of the things that we try to instill in everyone is that every role 
is a starring role. You're, de you're dressed as an individual who is representing this major company. This major company has invested in you. And you may be sweeping the streets, you may be handling concessions, but your role needs to be a starring role. Have you ever um, run into an employee who just wants to play a part and they just play that part because, hey, you know, that's their job right now, but they don't turn it into a starring role? They don't turn it into a role that's really, really important. What would it look like if in your organization that the, the, the front desk people really made that a starring role? What if the individuals that uh, were back in the very accounting department and no one sees and they don't have much interaction, but the times they do have interactions, they make that a starring role? Every role is a starring role. Do you have the ability to take a job and turn it into a starring job? One where the role that you're playing is really, really, you're playing it to the best of your ability. Another thought that he shared was that you have to work hard for other people to have a moment. He was basically saying this, someone in North Dakota has saved every dollar so that one day they could take their kids to this special location. Now, when that individual drives from North Dakota down to this location, they're dealing with the reality that they want this to be a special moment. They want to go back and have their kids say, thank you, thank you so much for taking it. This was one of the best things in the whole world. But he says for that to happen, everyone has to work hard for people to have their moment. I was thinking about that. I believe that the job that I do is the difference between heaven and hell. I believe that there are people who are going to come to my church for the first time this week. And I believe that there are people who are going to come to our church for the last time. And my job and that of my team is to work so hard that they are able to have their God moment. Whether they're far from God, whether they're near from God, whether they feel like they're growing in God or they feel like they've never grown in God, our job is to work hard that they can have their God moment. Man, no one gets to have a moment without someone working hard. Next thought. Make the necessary seem special. As we're walking through the parks, he begins to point out something. He says, we know that we have to have trash cans. We know that they're necessary. But we want them to be special. So we're standing in front of a ride, and he points to the trash can, and he says, can you see how this trash can is painted in such a way that it enhances the story of the ride that they're about to have? And then we walk down, and there's a transition to another area of the park, and all the trash cans change. They're now reflective. He says, we want to make sure that everything tells the story. 
that everything is telling the story, even necessary things that, well, we just got to have this. And, and if we had our way, we wouldn't, uh, you know, necessarily have those particular uh, trash cans there. But we have to have them there. But they've made them a part of the story, Caleb. Make the necessary seem special. What are the things that you interact with that they're necessary? You just have to have them. But you could give a little bit of thought and you could make that seem special. What are the transitions you have to make that you can make it seem special? What are the, the moments that you have to have that you can make them seem special? Number six. Talk about the future by including the past. Talk about the future while including the past. I've said before that 70% uh, of all churches in America are over the age of 40. Now, what that means is, is that these churches have been there for a while. That's the average age of the church building. Now, the congregation uh, has probably tried to transition. It's tried to make some changes. But one of the things that happens is whenever you change without acknowledging the past, when you create change without acknowledging the past, what happens is, is you tend to alienate anyone that was a part of the past. You tend to make them feel undervalued while you're trying to keep value. We're walking with this individual and he's telling us story after story about Walt. You would have thought that Walt was walking with us about all the plans for the future, but it begins with a story about Walt. What was he doing? He was creating value for the past as he was defining the future. And one of the things that I find out is that as churches try to integrate generations, sometimes one generation says, hey, you know, we just want to talk about the future and the current. But I'll remind you that in the Old Testament, it says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It didn't just start with your name. God did something for Abraham you need to know. God did something for Jacob that you need to know. God did something for Isaac that you need to know. Yeah, you get to add your name there, and you get to add other people's names there, but don't forget the history of what God has done because the history of what God has done is the foundation for what God is going to do. Talk about the future, but when you talk about it, include the past. Number seven, don't change values for anyone. This individual, because of their position, many times uh, escorts very, very famous individuals around. It's their job to make sure that that individual gets to have their moment, but at the same time, because these individuals are pretty well known, uh, that uh, they still make sure everyone else has their moments. So it's sort of, how do you do this? How do you take someone who's uh, recognized by everyone, give them their moment, but at the same time, make sure that the people who are walking around who spend a whole lot of money have their moment. Well, that's what uh, this man's team does. They make sure that they create these moments so that 
uh, individuals can have theirs without being interrupted and people who say, oh, there's so-and-so, but they want to go to the next uh, ride aren't disturbed. But one of the things he talked about is sometimes people will come on the park who may be well-known and the park rules are the park rules. The park standards are the park standards. But they'll come in and they'll do something. And he told us a story and um, of an individual who came in and they went in the restroom and they were doing something that was a violation of the park rules. He walked in and he said, I hope that you and your family and your team have had a good day. But your day is over. They couldn't get it. But they had violated the park rules. No one gets to be an exception to the rules. So don't change your values for anyone. No matter how well-known someone is, don't change your values for them. I've watched Christians sometime when someone says, well, they got saved and this person is well-known. All of a sudden, to uh, walk through the journey with them, they start changing values. Uh, one of my mentors, Jack Hayford, talks about how that his church, when he pastored a church on the way, was not far from Hollywood. And people from Hollywood would come get saved. People who had just amazing voices, amazing gifts. But his standard rule was this. You don't ever get to be on stage until you've attended the church for a year. He didn't want someone thinking that their gifts superseded their discipline. And so he would say, you don't get to be there. You don't get to do that. You get to sit like everyone else sits before you serve. So don't change your values for anyone. Another thing is, is that regardless of how long you've been at your job, your job is to hand off to the next generation. See, none of us are to be a dead end. We are to be an access point for other people to begin. We are to be the start for other people. And he tells the story of, um, of a young man that he's very close to and how this young man knows the history of that company. He can walk through the park and he can tell everyone, well, this was done for this reason. He can give them the background stories. Well, how did that happen? Because someone had invested in this young man to know the history. And even as a young man, this young man is already in a position where he's telling everyone else, well, this is the road, this is the place, this is the uh, reason that this was done this way. So, hand off to the next generation. Make sure that you communicate and that you let them know the what and the why of how things evolve. Number nine, tell people the truth even if they don't believe it. Tell people the truth even if they don't believe it. Now, this man told the story of, of how that they have what they call graduation nights. 
and as best as I can recall it, it was about people graduating from high school, college, that when the park closed, they'll keep the park open and they'll do sort of a graduation. You've graduated from college, you've graduated from high school. But there are these long lines of people trying to get in. But as they have these long lines, there are all these trash cans uh, along the line. And he says they openly tell them, you cannot bring anything into the park that is illegal. So you can't bring a drink in that's illegal. You can't bring a substance in that's illegal. You can't. And they tell them, hey, you just put them over there in the trash can. Uh, You know, there's no question. Uh, No one's going to question you if you put anything in there. But at the end of the line, they're going to be police officers and police dogs. We're telling you right now, if you make it through that line and one of those uh, police dogs is interested in you, we've given you every opportunity to discard everything. But if you make it to the start of that line and you're standing there and one of those police dogs is interested in you, you're going to jail. And he says, no matter how many times we tell people, No matter how many times we tell them, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, put it over here. He says, there will be people, and all of a sudden, the dog will recognize that they have something they shouldn't. And they didn't believe us, and the police officer arrests them. They were given an extended opportunity to adjust, but now they're being carried off to jail. Well, in my job, my job is to tell people the truth. My job is to tell them that there's a heaven to gain and that there is a hell to shun. That there is a Lord, that there is a Savior, that there is an adversary, there is a devil. And I have to tell them the truth. And not everyone who hears the truth believes the truth. But that's not my job, whether they believe it or not. My job is to make sure that they clearly were told it. And so in yours and mine's leadership journey, we're going to have to tell people the truth. And not everyone's going to respond to it, but that's all right. It doesn't change the fact we tell the truth even if someone doesn't believe. Number 10, the park is the busiest when no one's there. The park is the busiest when no one's there. He said everyone thinks when we close the park at whatever hour that, you know, the park just becomes sort of an isolated, dark place. Nobody's there. But he says it's when it's the busy. It's when all the workers are there and they're cleaning the streets and they're repairing things. It's when all the windows are being wiped down. It's when everything is being handled. It's when all the foods are being replenished. It's when everything is going on. He says there are more people and there's more work going on when the park is closed than a lot of times people would imagine. And I thought about that. I thought that given the job of being a pastor, how many times I'm asked, well, what do you guys do with all your free time? What do you do during the week? But if we're going to do our our job on the weekends, It's because we've poured in the work hours during the week. We've worked very, very hard to make sure that on that weekend that everything is ready for that person who's going to walk in. And so sometimes we don't see all the work that other people have done. We don't see what goes into a moment for us to be able to have. But there's someone working. 
And there's someone doing things behind the scenes that you may not know. So, my learning experience. Ten thoughts. You have to have knowledge that's bigger than the broom. You must be willing to help with other people's trash. Every role is a starring role. You have to work hard for others to have a moment. Make the necessary seem special. Talk about the future, but when you do, include the past. Don't change values for anyone. And hand off the stories to the next generation. And tell people the truth even if they don't believe it. And recognize it's the busiest when no one is here. That's when most of the work is really occurring. I love learning. I love learning out of my context. I love seeing where wisdom is transferable. And I had a great opportunity this last week. I hope that maybe this will give you some context on some things that maybe in your particular arena that you can do. But I was so thankful to the individual that um, just walked me around. And um, I just want to say to all of you, um, thank you for listening to the podcast. If these podcasts can help anyone else in their leadership journey, would you post it on your Facebook? Would you put it on your Twitter account? Would you do something to let it know? And I just want to remind you, if you've never gone to Gerald Brooks Ministry webpage, there's a lot going on there about where we're at, materials we have, resources that we have. And so we just want to encourage you to go there. But thank you so much uh, for being so faithful in your leadership journey. Thank you for impacting so many people's lives. And thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.